Hello, everyone. Today <laughs> is a very special episode where we do some group therapy. <laughs> we recently had a weekend, a very trying weekend, where we watched a movie together. <laughs> and now we need to bitch about a few things for an hour. So join us on the first couch. We have Brandon. I'm I'm just distraught and I just I can't I I don't know if I'll ever come back from this. I, I'm I'm in such a low place right now. Um, I I just don't have words. And struggling with Freudian slips, we have Tyler. Hey, what's up? Uh, pretty sure my my psych just uh just killed themselves. So that's that's <laughs> off to a good start. <laughs> With a complex that I won't name, we have Jared. <laughs> I'm mildly amused right now. <laughs> I am out of psychological disorders, but we also have Evan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing you're out of psychological disorders because apparently Mercury is back in retrograde, so we'll blame it on that. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Does anyone really know what that means? Well, retrograde to me means that Mercury is falling into the sun's orbit, so... <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about destiny yet, just hold off on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's as good of a segue as any. I, I hear there's a group of us that still play Destiny that have some strong opinions right now. <laughs> Jared, Brand. that's your cue. Oh, okay. Um, I well, the reveal was last week where they announced the next, basically three years of content. Um, so I, for one, am super optimistic and looking forward to the next three years of Destiny. Hey, but we're I, not. We're, we're not. We're not to the point where our emotional feelings are supposed to get be a part of this yet. <laughs> um, let's stick to the facts, Jared. You know, journalism. Come on. Okay, so let's see. Um, <laughs> the new season dropped a couple weeks ago. Lame. No, it was uh, last week. Oh, I guess this is week two. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and the <laughs> lame. darkness pyramids are now invading the system. Anticlimactic. <laughs> um, the we start with some pretty sweet story missions on Io. Really um, boring. A moon of Jupiter. And, um, yeah, we've been kind of getting weekly missions, learning more from Savathun and Nocris. And One mission. You haven't even played this week. It's different now. <laughs> <laughs> now, Brandon, I am sensing a lot of hostility coming from this corner. Frankly. Oh, sorry. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> Didn't you I have the you? highest respect for Bungie and, Desti and the Destiny community fan base. As I sip my tea, it's actually water. Please continue, Jared. So, um, it sounds like we're building up to some crazy antics come this fall, where we will go to Europa, another moon of Jupiter, and... We join the dark side? We find another pyramid, and yes, we're going to get darkness powers, and wield the darkness and the fight against the pyramid ships, and Aramis, a fallen... New Kel 
So, sounds mm. pretty fun so far. I'm excited. I'm glad I'm not the only one who got the Fallen vibe from Aramis. Um, oh, yeah. When specifically when they mentioned like scattered houses, I was like, oh, we've heard that term before. Well, I'll be curious to see because they say Aramis is the house of darkness, I think is what they're calling it, original. But it's funny because Mithrax is kind of a fallen who's aligned with the Guardians, and he has formed the House of Light. So I'm curious if he will have a more prominent role come fall time. Interesting. I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah, it's my, you know, just watching through the trailers and them talk about, like, all the reveal stuff. My first instinct was that they were going back. I don't, I don't remember if this was like pre D one lore or something, but how it, or how it came up. But there was, um, there's a or there's a rumor going around the fandom that you know, or I think there might even be lore to back this up. I don't know um, that the fallen were once associated with the traveler, and then. The traveler either like pulled a trick on them or just up and abandoned them, and without the traveler's light, you know their civilization collapsed, and then they've been pursuing it through the universe and basically came to Earth to get revenge on the traveler. Um, they have abandonment issues. Yes, and just <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, them, them talking about Aramis and the fallen houses and some like wielding the darkness. It seemed like they're going back and validating that lore which I'm very cool with because I like lore. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Europa was in some of the early concept art for Destiny 1. And so like, I feel like this has kind of been a slow burn to add mm. this um, region to the map, which it looks really cool. It's like a very icy planet, um, lots of tumultuous terrain. So it could mm. be fun. I... Uh... Yeah, it looks like we're getting reskinned a lot of reskinned enemies rather than a new class of enemy, which I'm at this point I'm fine with, you know, Destiny not giving us like a new race to fight. Even I though- wouldn't be surprised if once we battle more with the pyramids, if we if they have their own race. I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's true, yeah, because they're cause yeah, Aramis, they're not the the darkness. They're kind of like the precursor or whatever. I mean when you say their own race what you mean is a reskin of one of the previous three races that look a little different, but still are the same thing. I mean, we have seen that, yeah, with the Taken and the Scorn. So mm-hmm. and the Siva. Actually, oh, I think Siva that Fallen, the, the, the yeah. Taken was a good excuse. Like, yes, it's 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 same enemies repackaged, but they have a couple different abilities thrown in now. I, I liked I liked the addition of the Taken. I thought it was nice because they they do actually I mean, oh yeah, they, they they're reskinned, but they also have different abilities, you know, so you have to treat them differently. I mean the scorn were kinda like that too. They're just annoying. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. We did get the other yeah, the scorner. They look different enough. Yeah. The the nightmares on the moon they were just Super Saiyan Hive. I mean, yeah, it's just kind of like a, mind. no, it's basically just like a a new dreamlike projection since they were kind of manifest of the mm-hmm. pyramid. So yeah, they weren't really like yeah, they kind of turned red, and that was about it. Right. So it's been this will be two like this fall's expansion will be two years since the last quote unquote new species, um, the Scorn. Um, and before that, it was 
the Taken, so that would have been year 2D1. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember how into D1 the Taken King was, because that's kind of when I started in Destiny. Yeah, yeah, I think that was year, yeah, right around So, so wait, the scoring came out, did you say that was two years ago, I guess? Well, yeah. Forsaken, yeah. The Shadowkeep was this last fall. Yeah, so I basically, I kind of stopped playing right around, well, like after everything with the scorn came out, so that was... Oh yeah, wow. Time has... Yeah, you know, my problem with Destiny, I mean, I've said this numerous times, um, you know, and it's actually really funny, I didn't realize, like I was out of the loop, Uh, I've played off and on every season except for really this last season um whatever it was called you know the other seasons i played a little bit of and i tried to get into you know this last season i just gave up you know um bungie has this fomo style of getting you to play the game and i just i've after five years of playing this game i'm I'm tired of it. Real quick, for the benefit of our listeners, a- a.k.a. me, uh, what exactly does FOMO <laughs> mean? You've used that term before, and I guess i uh, that's one I'm kind of missing out on. But uh, Fear of missing out. Ah, okay. <laughs> so basically what it is is they get you to play the game because if you don't play the game now, you'll never get to do X ever again. Okay, so basically, um, yeah, like time if you content yeah so if you don't do all of these things by the end of the season you're not going to get this gun anytime soon yeah um you're not going to get uh this title it's going to go away at the end of the season um you know there are these lore items that you can get or collectibles that you could get um that you're not going to be able to get at the you know at the end of the next season um or next week you know um you know so so they get you to play they get you to try to play the game because you're going to miss out on something if you don't and i mean I, I know a lot of things are like that you know like smite we have those that season pass and if you don't get to the end right. of the the season you know get the you know so a lot of things have that and i mean destiny has a season pass stuff now you know a paid and a free track um i mean that's a mechanic of if you play the game a lot you know, you get rewarded. The more you play, the more you get rewarded. I'm talking about um, the trickle uh, content that if you don't play this week, you're going to miss out on this week's content because next week it's going to be something different and you're not going to be able to go back and see the previous content, even within the same season necessarily, you know? I mean, I'll be honest, that was kind of one of the things that drove me out, like as long as we're talking about like our our quibbles with destiny that was one of the things that was starting to kind of drive me out of the game a little bit is that it was like basically you know there'd be a few things that i would really enjoy doing like i would enjoy raiding with you guys like i would enjoy doing just like a few missions here and there or like some of the bigger quests but what i found my found myself kind of feeling like i was running into was like there was all this content that was like people would be like hey uh, this gun is kind of part of the meta right now. If you're going to be doing a lot of PvP, you really need this gun. And so I'd be like, okay, well, can I get that gun by doing the PvP? And it's like, no, you got to do this other unrelated stuff that I just didn't really care about doing, you know? 
in order to get that or like go through this whole quest line that was pretty mm-hmm. grindy to get the stuff that was meta in the game modes and the activities that I actually wanted to be doing. Um, and so I kind of mm-hmm. just reached a point where for me, it just felt like, you know, the game itself was, and I, and I think this is a, I mean, it's just kind of a design issue that is inherent with MMOs. And what I've kind of come to realize is just, I'm not a huge fan of, of like you were, you were hitting on that, like drip feed, just continuous content feed and trying to get you to play in the moment like, hey, this is time limited. You got to get in here and get this. When really at the end of the day, I play games just to kind of relax. And so mm-hmm. I just want to be able to like Whoa. do fun stuff with my friends when I want, like when everybody's available, when I can do it. And yeah, so that was kind of what drove me out of Destiny as a whole, honestly. Right. You know, and and, and my other thing with it all, you know, is... Uh, Jared, I know I've I know I've told you this several times, um, but is the the fact that all of the quest lines that are worth anything take so much time? You know, it is it's excruciatingly painful to go through some of these story missions. Uh, or not, I'm not I'm sorry, not story missions, but it, you know these missions. Um, you know, like. I can get behind having these pinnacle weapons, which they've kind of gone against to some degree. They've revamped that idea. But, you know, to have a weapon that you have to play a certain activity a lot, and then you're rewarded with a weapon that sort of gives you, you know, that's fit for that style. You know, if you're playing strikes a lot, they're going to give you a weapon that's decent in strikes. But, you know... Those guns and those quests, to for some of them, they've taken me three or four seasons to get through because I don't use grenade launchers that often, for instance. And to get a power, you know, a heavy grenade launcher, I'm just, I'm just not great at them. But the idea of needing to collect all of the weapons, you know, um, makes and, and the 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 completionist in me that has all of these quests in his inventory. I have to just run strike after strike after strike and pick up heavy ammo and use my grenade launcher to get as many kills as I can. And I have to play the game a specific way because it make you know you have to get multi kills, you know, and you know kill multiple people at one time, um, and. It's just these quests make you play the game in a way that isn't fun for everyone. They're excruciatingly long, so they just become boring. And then they, the guns are marginally much better than anything else you already have. You know, um, so, you know, again, one could say, well, then you just don't get it. You know, one, I don't know that it's not going to be any good. Two, it's just going to sit in my inventory or going to, you know, it, the, the quest is going to sit in my inventory. Um, or if I abandon it, the cryptarch or whoever will just be flashing forever telling me to pick this quest up again. And I'll have an empty slot in my gun collection, you know. And so one of the things they try to do is, hey, collect everything, get these, you know, all these great things. So and, you know, just to play casually. 
like especially like you, Tyler. I mean, you played yeah. when you were playing. You didn't really play all that much anyway. Right. And that, what I saw that was what uh, again, like that was what kind of killed it for me. Is like, don't get me wrong, like I enjoyed mm-hmm. it, and but most of my enjoyment came from just being able to play with you guys. You know, it was a game like, it, yeah, it was fun. But it wasn't like such a good game, at least for me, that like, I mean, I play a ton of games. And so if there's something else that like I would rather be playing at the time, it's kind of hard for me just to be like, yeah, I'm going to go grind on Destiny for like three hours tonight instead of playing another game. Mm -hmm. Like, and so what I was finding is that then I felt kind of like I was pretty disadvantaged and like, you know, if I didn't have the guns I needed and I was like a low light level, I was like, yeah, I can get through this activity, but I was like, I feel like I'm kind of holding back the team. And like, that was kind of a frustrating place to be in. And so again, I I think that just kind of comes with the territory a little bit with MMOs. Like, I honestly don't think I've ever played an MMO where I haven't started to run into that, where like, it really just ends up being more of a time commitment than I really want to make to be able to keep up with the the new content that's being released. So that that was kind of where I was at. Yeah, you know, I can, I can, I can seed. I can cede that point to you that, yeah, it's an MMO. That's the type of game it is. That's the type of, you know, time that it takes, you know, that it's putting five hours into a game. The game a week is not going to get you anywhere. Right. It's just not. Um, and I can, I can cede that point. You know, I can, I can, all my haters out there at this point, <laughs> I get it. Um, I will counter that point by saying Destiny is not offering enough to do enough meaningful content for me to have any reason putting any more time in it than I already do. Yeah, and I think that I think that would have made a bit of a difference to me too. That's why I was kind of curious to hear, you know, like like Jared was saying it sounds like some of the things they have planned. I don't know again because I'm kind of out of the loop now it's almost like you know you guys were talking about the lore and I was just like oh man like this is it's it's for one on the one hand it's like yeah it's cool that that it seems like they're delving into that a little bit more like they're trying to do more on kind of the storytelling end of it at least than what I remembered when I exited but at the same time I'm like oh man this is you know like I just feel totally left out now so it would be kind of interesting to see you know if somebody if there were you know uh, customers out there who are considering re-entering at this point, what would you say would be some of the like biggest draws, Jared? Or like, what would kind of, do you think that there's content that would pull people like me back in who, uh, you know, are maybe super low light level now? Is there going to be any way to like boost up to a level where, Hey, you know, I could come in and even if it's just like, we could do a few uh, raids again or something would I be able to be competitive, do you think, going into like this new yeah, season? Yeah, so in terms of people who have been gone for a while, um, they kind of artificially bumped everyone up to at least a base 750, and a lot of old activities, that's where their power level resides. So in terms of doing old content, okay. yeah, you could be pretty competitive. And there's a lot of ways to earn weapons now. Like one thing they've kind of heard is that... Um, you know, people don't want to play specific aspects of the game to get a gun that's meta for the whole game. For example, like a, maybe a gun that only drops in PvP. Right. So now their their yep, that's, that's their world their world loot pull um, is kind of accessible from all activities. So like 
Strikes, Gambit, and Crucible. Okay. So that's a good They change. all drop the same weapons. Um, and that I think that loot pool is going to change every year, I think. Um, because one of the things, Brandon, you talked about with having you know these pinnacle quests sit in your inventory for so long is when there are kind of low spells and content, you could always go back on those and try to finish those out. But now they're implementing weapon sunsetting. It's kind of pointless now. If you don't get it within the season, it drops. Then it's got a shelf life of a year, at least for in-game content. Like, it's going to have a power cap. And so, like, it kind of ruins some of that incentive, unless you just want to get the gun eventually. Um, So I see that being a problem, and I wonder if that's one reason they're kind of going away from Pinnacles. Um, But at the same time, because, like, the one reason they're sunsetting is they call it power creep. So basically, in order to, you know, you introduce this pinnacle that's amazing and everyone's been using it since it's dropped two years ago. In order to get people to use other stuff, or at least entice them to use other stuff, you got to make something even better. And then you make that more powerful. And then the content that you're providing is not as good anymore. So you got to make that powerful. And then it's just like this power struggle all the way up. And like they're challenging right. their developers to make. Intriguing, um, intricate content at the same time, trying to make weapons that can catch up. And so, I think the idea is that if they can sunset, they can experiment and really play with um, mods and different kind of exotics and whatnot because they know in a year they're not gonna like, they're not gonna have to worry about designing content for those old weapons. So, I guess that's the good thing if you're coming back in is that you're always going to have maybe a good set of weapons you can drop that's coming from that season. So that's at least another plus. And I think that'll be a pretty good change. Because like one thing that I remember when, um, what was the expansion called that dropped like with the Scorn? Forsaken. Forsaken. Like what was Forsaken. Yeah, so when Forsaken came out, I'll be honest, I actually, you know, that was about the last time that I kind of remember like coming back in and I'd even been taking a bit of a break before that dropped. And then I came in, it was like, hey, here's some new, like totally new content areas to explore, things to do, new activities. And it was basically dropping pretty much a new weapon set too. So I was kind of like, you know, as is typical in a lot of like action RPGs, things like that, or like, you know, even to compare it to something like Borderlands, it's like, boom, new area, all your old stuff is trash, basically. And so that's why I'll be honest, I never really approached Destiny from a very like completionist's standpoint, just because I was kind of like, well, I mean, in the back of my mind, I kind of know that in order to avoid issues with like, just continuously balancing weapons and like to help moderate power creep and things like that. I just foresaw that that's about the only way that they would ever introduce new weapons and stuff. It's like, it was just going to kind of replace the stuff that you were using before. So I never felt a big drive to collect stuff unless it was like, you know, powerful and meta for the, the stuff that I wanted to be doing. And that's why it was just such a slap in the face to somebody like me, who is like not really a completionist, like to just be like, okay, well, if you want that gun here, go do a shitload of like unrelated stuff that is not necessarily like inconsequential from a time standpoint. So I was just like, oh man, like 
got to go grind up this this gun in this quest. And again, maybe that's just you know part of it. And I think some of the, of the new maybe, weapons yeah. that they're releasing now, like you're always going to get one exotic in the season pass. Yep. If you buy if you buy the season pass, you get it day one. If you um, have the free yeah. track, you're going to get it like 20 levels in or something. Um, and those are always fun. Like the exotic and the season pass this season broke the game. Like it was, <laughs> if a full fire it. team went into the raid, they could just delete the boss in an I instant. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't think that. they fixed it yet. Cause I was using it uh Tuesday night and it's still <laughs> wrecking shop. But I think they've released like a patch last week, a patch this week, and another patch. And I want to say one of those patches, maybe this week or next, is going to fix that. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> but the idea is like, um, and like last season, they ended the season with a legendary weapon quest. And yeah, there was a grindy part where you had to kill like a thousand enemies with a shotgun. But then the rest was lore based. So it was kind of cool. And it's really good shotgun. I did really so, like, like that, yeah. I think they're my optimism, especially like, um, you know, Forsaken was the last big. I know, Brent, this is one of his kind of points of contention is that there's no story quests anymore. You do one opening mission yeah. and then it's grind, grind. Or like this last year, for example, it was you have an obelisk, you have to level up by doing activities, and then you could that allow you to get guns and weapons or mods. Then. The next season, there was these um, bunkers. And then this season, like, we just got done, and it was super boring last season. And we have another thing to upgrade. But it's Mm. not as bad because it's helping you farm your um, Ingram drops into specific loot. So it kind of is taking some of the RNG out of the game. And yes, I will admit, this last year of content was pretty low. Um the things that always yeah. bring me back to destiny is I love the gunplay. It's one of my favorite first person shooters. I just feels really good. And I'm a sucker for the lore. So like, <laughs> even if I'm not like just grinding random stuff, like I will dive into the lore books. I'll watch YouTube videos on it. And so like that kind of keeps me afloat during those low parts. Yeah. Well, and I think you're, you're kind yeah, of, you know, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, it's, I mean, you're really, you're hitting on, like, that's kind of what I enjoy, too. And this is why I think Destiny is a little unique from other games like, you know, say something like a MOBA, like Smite, just to compare and contrast these two. is like, for me, what gets me excited to play Destiny is when it's like, you have those big set pieces mm-hmm. or those big story things. And that's what I, from a development perspective, I can see why that would be so tricky, because it's like, you know that's kind of what draws people into, you know, a big budget FPS like this, I feel like is having that cool new content, new levels, new places to explore. Like, uh, like you said, and yeah, like the gunplay is really solid. Like it is, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think it is a really good first person shooter, but it's not quite the same as like smite, for example, where they don't really need to add a ton of new content in terms of like new maps and things to keep every game of smite fresh. If that makes any sense, like they're just different um, experiences. Like one is more like, you know, an age old board game kind of thing where it's like, you can go in and every match is going to be a little bit different depending on your opponents. 
Whereas like Destiny, because it's a little more just like that streamlined first person shooter experience, I feel like it needs a little bit more of that content coming in. Unless, you know, the thing that I think could salvage it in kind of the slower times um, between big, more like single player content drop stuff would be, you know, just having really robust multiplayer modes, which is why, like, I loved it when they introduced, like, uh, like mm, Gambit, Gambit and fun, stuff like yeah. that. Like, for me, yeah, like, I'd love to see, instead of focusing on maybe little story quests here and there, um, just flesh out, like, new multiplayer modes and things like that. That's definitely where I'd put my mid-season um, development assets personally that's just an idea because that was one thing i was like yeah you know i could just hop on and play like a few matches of gambit pretty much daily one thing and if you could progress in the game doing that um one thing we haven't talked about from the reveal that that was actually to me was a big um selling point for the future of destiny is that they're sun or not sunsetting but they're getting rid or vaulting that's the term they're vaulting a lot of current content that people either aren't playing as much or players have said you know we don't really like this as much so like we're like half of our current map is getting axed in september um so i think merc is mercury io titan nessus and i think the leviathan are all not nessus oh not nessus it's mars mars that was it yep that was it i knew it was i knew it was a planet that i actually liked (laughs) i actually like i actually like mars um and io for the lore but um they said, you know, that cutting, like cutting the map down, like they're not going to totally just erase it all. Like they'll, it'll go in the vault, they'll spruce it up and from time to time bring stuff in and out. Um, so I think yeah. freeing them up of that old stuff that no one's really feeling is good. Um, they also mentioned like right now their focus isn't on making a D3 because if they do that, they have to stop working on destiny 2 and with all this content coming out they can't yeah. do that so they're it sounds like i i think that's a really good call it sounds like they're personally. planning to make destiny 2 their big thing for a while and um they talked about yeah. how you know if you get a ps5 your content's just gonna port right over so you don't have to rebuy the game thankfully and that's um, one reason i'm and, optimistic and, for the yeah. future is because i feel like the last year and a half they haven't really been able to solely focus on d2 um ignoring that they're working on another ip right now but like after forsaken they split with activision so they kind of lost that safety net and a lost a lot of i think you know de- other studios that helped develop some of those side pieces that's true um, too. Yeah. and then they had to also figure out how we're we gonna like financially sustain ourselves and so then they experimented with this seasonal model and they had some cool parts in it they had the uh the cabal sundial was really fun um some other parts of that years of seasons was kind of like lackluster um but i think they've addressed that that we realized the seasonal model is our first attempt at it it didn't really hit on all cylinders and so i'm hoping that with Evaluating the feedback from the community, um, having um, a reduced, I guess, load on the game by taking out a lot of old stuff that can really focus on the new stuff and really pour a lot of resources into that. Um, Because I felt like they almost had to find a reason to keep old planets around. 
and so then it feels kind of stale and recycled. So, yeah, I can. So I'm that. hoping with adding Europa, they're bringing back from D1 a lot of old stuff. So for the nostalgic yes. D1 vets, that's going to be kind of fun. Bringing back the Vault of Glass raid, yeah, um, the Cosmodrome, um, epics. So yeah, there's a lot of cool things they could do with it, and I'm hoping that the future will be brighter, especially for those like Brandon who have been kind of burned out understandably so and i'm someone who kind of plays casually but it's been it's been fun to get back into it because like i'll have days where i'm like you know working from home trying to social distance because corona is still out here i don't care who tells you otherwise (laughs) we are very much still in the middle of a pandemic so i'll I'll have days i'm just like yeah let's let's fire up destiny i know i've got like right now i'm like weekly trying to go through and do forges so I can make progress on my monarch quest because I want that damn bow. Um, and I'm so bummed yeah. at the week that it was bugged and dropping like confetti. <laughs> I, I think, I don't know if I was, I just didn't have my PlayStation or was I, I don't know. I was, there was something reason I just could not yes. play destiny. And then when I could get back to destiny, they'd fixed it, which yeah, stupid. Uh, and then it's also been fun. Like, I guess a lot of, a lot of new people are getting into it now. So it's been fun taking people that haven't played ever or haven't played in a while through the new content um like one of my friends just messaged me today is like hey i'm probably going to be on this weekend if you want to help me through some of the harder um forsaken content which i'm like sure i will gladly be your guardian guardian (laughs) making sure you don't get nerfed yeah you know i mean i never thought that i would wish for d1 story content yeah you know going through d1 evan jared you and i or we we played d1 a lot together and i just remember making fun of every other mission because you'd go on a story mission and all it would be would be you know protect your ghost while they, you know, while while he investigates this thing or opens this door or <laughs> transmits this item, that was it. You'd go to an area, there's a door locked or something, you know, and then you'd wait for a ghost to unlock the door. And sometimes you'd have multiple waves and you would just fight off enemies and then the door would open and then you'd move on to the next area. They would use strikes you know, the strike map, they would put you in part of the strike map to do your story. They would have a story from two seasons or, you know, a story map from two seasons ago that you would start at the end of it and work backwards through the map. And, you know, you would have story missions that would start in the exact goddamn same spot. And you'd go to the exact goddamn same place and you'd fight the exact goddamn same enemies, but first door is open on first mission, but the second door is closed. And then on the second mission, the first door is the opposite, and the second door is the opposite. So, like, yeah, they had story missions. They had different dialogue. They had slightly different mechanics. Um, right. You know, just just barely, but yeah, they I- did. That sounds pretty reminiscent of like um, 
so another good example of a game that kind of does a lot of remixes and reusing assets, but in a way that I argue is pretty effective is like, so Neo, the Neo games like Neo 1, Neo 2, they're kind of like Diablo-esque looter action RPGs. And they have these things called Twilight Missions, which, you know, it basically all it is is just a remixed version, like different enemy placements, same base map, um, but occasionally you'll fight a different boss on that map than you normally would. And, you know, even just something as simple as changing up the lighting on the map, like it'll add this kind of creepy, like blood moon, like tint to the whole map and stuff like that. You know, it sounds pretty minor, but it does make it feel like a slightly different experience. And that's a really good way I would say to pad out assets and turn it into content that can still be engaging. And that sounds kind of like, what they were doing there. And I would agree, like, you know, maybe that would be enough as long as there's still enough few little new tweaks and things here. Yeah. You know, after a couple of seasons, they even opened up the vault of glass and you actually kind of went and you played around in there, Mm -hmm. you know, just a story Mm -hmm. mission, you know, the destiny one model was when a season started, you'd have five or six story missions that ended in sort of a main bad guy of the, um, raid, right? Well, it was, sometimes it, would, it was so. What it would do is the last, the the final story mission would be a, would basically turn into a strike that you, that would go into the strike playlist, and you could randomly get that generated. And then every once in a while, uh, a couple of, like well, there were only three, maybe four raids in D one. I think four raids, maybe. So not every boss, you know, every final boss became a raid boss. And there wasn't always a, the final boss wasn't always the raid boss. I think I said the same thing twice, but I meant to say two different things. So (laughs) the, sometimes the final boss didn't turn into a raid. And sometimes the raid didn't have the final boss of the story mission in it. Um, You know, so like in the very last what the taken king um of d1 you went on a mission and you you had a sort of a strike mission to go kill oryx and you you kill him and he disappears but then he still appears in the raid later as you know he well he he takes himself uh and you know then as a more powerful enemy um, you know, you, 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 you see that more powerful enemy in the raid. Um, and you know, that's what I was accustomed to. That's what I was used to. That's what I liked. And the first few seasons of D2 were just like that, but I could point out, I could write down every season that destiny two has put out has been minus the newest, um, or you know the year two or whatever the 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 moon I guess minus the moon maybe minus Mars because they had a new area that you could explore. Okay, so I sh- I should backtrack the there there were a couple of big updates right when they added the, uh, when they add a new destination those were always yeah. really cool. So Brandon, I guess my um, argument to you for <laughs> um, sticking with the destiny besides just wanting to play with all of your your glorious fire team. Um, <laughs> it's mainly just rooted in optimism 
I know this last year has been kind of rough and I totally get why I have my own reasons that I stuck around, but I feel like with sunsetting and clearing out the vault, they're able to throw more resources into the things you enjoy, new destinations, lots of story. Um, the sunsetting will keep the weapons fresh so you don't feel like you're always behind trying to get the D best weapon. And hopefully they can add just a lot of activities to the game that can keep you sustained without, you know, having lots of FOMO. Um, something they have also addressed right. that they realize they threw too much in. So fingers crossed. I will tell you what. Things that are going to get me to play the game again. Here's here's my exclusive list. One, they're going to get me in September. They're, they're going to get my money because I get D1 back. And... I get to play D1 things that are going to be fun to go on a nostalgia trip without re-downloading Destiny 1 like I did. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, External. I am so, I am so worried that though, that I'm going to have this expectation of, Ooh, D1 is going to save D2. We don't have any of the guns that in D1 were actually worth using in D2. The exotic weapons in D2 are lackluster, and all of the fun ones, Bungie says, no, you can't have fun. Which we're I will nerf. also say that's, I think, part of the whole power creep thing. So hopefully, I don't know if they'll reinstate some of those nerfs, but I'm hoping that won't happen in the future. Continue. And they have so much potential for good story content. You know, bring back what happened to Aldrin. You revive him, and then you don't talk about him for four seasons. You know, I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. You know, um, you hype up this war, you know, and you, you make us pick between the Drifter and the vanguard and nothing happens you just get yelled at by the drifter if you didn't side with them during gambit or you know he just has snide comments to make which are which are which are nice but it doesn't make me want to play the game you know um you know what they need is story they need real story content they 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 can't just start a story arc and then just stop it without finishing the the story arc they have to bring all of this around they have to i tell you if 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 i turn the page and all of these stories come together that will be the absolute best turnaround in video game history like i will i'm serious like if they have a way of put it you know uh, of climaxing all of those stories together and resolving all those stories in the same storyline like that that is what will save destiny 2 it'd be just like we gotten an awesome last episode of season eight of game of thrones <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god i think my therapist just came back to life though i I, I'm, I'm I'm calling it now. So at eight thirty nine p.m. on June eighteenth, twenty twenty, 
that <laughs> day our podcast that projected season <laughs> the the last season they've announced so far uh, with the witch queen I've been saying for years that Eris is going to end up being a villain and I think that is going to be her time to shine as the bad guy cuz she's been she's been walking that line Sabathun's going to inhabit her Yeah So this last season should have ended Rasputin takes aim at the Almighty that is crashing down Which toward the tower. <laughs> just, just as the um, the triangles come into the, into Mars atmosphere and they uh, inhibit him, they they turn him off. Right? We realize something is wrong, and we get a story mission. It's a story mission to go to Mars to try to inhibit this from happening while we're in mars we fail the almighty crashes into the tower and it blows it up then there's a we're stuck going to the farm again right because no one goes to the farm ever so we're back we're back going to the farm and we're trying to regroup trying to figure out what this whole mystery is behind these pyramids how they got Rasputin to you know how they how they inhibited um, Rasputin and how we can you know get things back again we'll be really distraught that the last city finally fell you know and all this crap will plunge into darkness and then the next season we find a way to use the darkness against the pyramids and we start driving them away. That's how this season should have ended. And that's what this season should be about. That is good story. Not doing gambit public events followed by in the quest line, making you go do actual gambit to continue the play. There, there is no anyways. Um, that this has been your soapbox with Peaches Brittany. Speaking of uh, good storytelling, we have an example of something that was not <laughs> that. Uh, when uh, so earlier this last weekend, uh, we got together uh, after long delay. Uh, as Jared said, we don't often uh, get around to actually playing any of those board games that he's he's bought, but we did actually manage to do that this last weekend. Um, Unfortunately, along with that, we also watched the new Artemis <laughs> Fowl movie, which is one of the other reasons we're going to need a soapbox. Um, but yeah. Uh, so what did you guys think? I was like, maybe not Last Airbender. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, it, I, uh, tough to say. It might have been worse, honestly. Having, I don't know. Having not... I've only read one page of Artemis Fowl, and the only thing, the only thing I remember from that one page was that they said he was a pasty pale kid from spending so much time in front of the computer well he is irish <laughs> true he wasn't a ginger though he that's true too <laughs> um but i i could understand like having no background experience with the movie could i watch it and not need to drink yes <laughs> <laughs> Un- unlike a certain all movies are judged. Unlike a certain movie, which an entire fandom just pretends does not exist, I could watch Artemis Fowl again and be entertained without needing to be inebriated. I um, feel like "entertained" is a strong word. 
I, mean, I think I think maybe like my brain was just like I was just working through the whole time like you know how do how do they keep the city hidden who are these people why are they doing these things oh this time freezing stuff is cool um but yeah as far as like overall like all story and you know character development and like we had that whole random teenage girl who had three lines and Artemis never <laughs> spoke to her <laughs> yeah the only way I can quell this um 12 year old is with another 12 year old 12 year old never does anything for the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah right. they, t- they talk over the walkie or they text and that's it yeah. never. <laughs> i'll be honest basically the whole time i was watching the movie i was just sitting there silently fuming like there's no way the fucking troll fight's gonna be as cool <laughs> as it was in the books when i was 12 years old like and it wasn't so so what i've gathered and and what we've talked about is if you've not, and, I, and this is what I told a friend at work, if you've not read the books and you have no plans of reading the books, me, it is a good movie. No, it's, I would it's disagree. It's not a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I it would, was, I would it agree. It was an okay movie. Can we say it was an okay movie? It was uh, passable. It would be more enjoyable. I would say it is a movie. Yeah, yes, it's a movie. Maybe. <laughs> it has a feature length runtime. That is... <laughs> I mean, there's, there's still plenty of things that are like rushed and don't either don't make sense or they don't they they gloss over what would be really interesting in favor of just moving the movie along. Okay, so don't watch the movie. That's what we're saying. Don't watch the movie. Yeah, I, I endorse um, that statement. They spent $125 million on this. Okay, so let's let's go into it just uh, just a minute. If 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 you've not if you've if you've not read the books and want to read the books, there is some spoiler. Um, if the books came out a long time ago. I don't really care. <laughs> so Artemis Fowl, for those of you that that want to follow along that don't know anything about this, Artemis Fowl is a genius mastermind child. He is a prodigy. He is arguably the smartest person alive. He's a criminal mastermind. He got it all from his father. His dad was a criminal himself, and his dad before him. The the fouls, just huge criminals. They were foul. Ha ha. So <laughs> his dad, in the book, this is the book story, his father goes on a mission, disappears. Artemis was pretty young. Um, I mean, he's already he's only twelve, but I mean, he was five or six, maybe eight. I don't remember exactly how many years he's been missing, but it's been many years since he's been missing. Artemis decides to uh, take it upon himself to take and run with the family torch. Um, begins investing in, you know, criminal activities and. The fowls are so, I guess, wealthy that they and 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 you know they're they're criminals, so they have a big big target on their shoulders. Um, so they have a another family, basically, that is um sworn to protect the fowls, um, and they have bodyguards, and so Butler is the name of Artemis's bodyguard. So in the first book, Artemis finds a like a Bible basically is what it turns out to be 
of an ancient underground, literally underground um, existence. There are fairies, gnomes, trolls, dwarves. I mean, the nine miles. And they all were driven underground by humans, basically. And they've been, you know, existing there for, for millennia. And Artemis stumbles across this book. You know, his mastermind is able to decipher the encryptions that are on the, and, 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 you know, figure out the language and manages to, you know, read all their laws and, you know, how, how their magic works. He captures an elf named Holly, who was a basically a police officer, and ransoms the elven gold for her return. That is basically the entire first book. The second book, he uses he teams up with Holly to go find his dad and rescue him if he's still alive. You know, they go they want to go find him. And if there's a, an attempt to rescue mission, if he's still alive, you know, Artemis believes full whole heart, wholeheartedly that he's still alive, but has no evidence. So they go out and find him. Well, in the movie, <laughs> you guys did say they crammed a couple books into one, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So they took a quarter of the first book story and three sentences from the second book story and said, yep, that's our movie. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, so, so the movie starts out with uh, you finding out that mom died, which is a very easy way of taking out a very poor character in the book. Uh, well, so, <laughs> poor from the sense of... Uh, it was a very uncomfortable character, but I'd say it was kind of an important one for me as a kid, like... So, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, re I remember reading those books and it was kind of my first it was honestly one of my first experiences with a book dealing with a family member who had like mental illness, basically. And I remember as a kid, I guess that's a good like, way of putting was, it. It was kind yeah. of interesting that such an integral character was depicted like in that way. Yeah. Um, so basically, the mother was distraught and just she basically decided to stop living after her husband, Artemis's dad, went missing. She basically lost all the will to live and is just confined to bed, depressed, and just basically ready to die. Mm -hmm. um, and you find out that the 12-year-old that had two lines in the movie, Butler's little sister... Juliet is her caretaker. Oh, that would have been more interesting. So I don't even think that she's 12. I think she's older than Artemis too. She's, you know, she's yeah. a teenager. She's like 16 in the book. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was well, going to say. I kind of remember that. Well, they did say that she was, um, Butler's niece in the book, not his sister. Well, to they account for that. So yeah. they, for some reason, they aged everyone down to be closer to Artemis's age for this movie, mm -hmm. which is not an unheard of. Like that's kind of a, I mean, it's a, a Disney practice that I feel like happens fairly well, regularly. And you have to be careful about saying everybody. I mean, well, Butler was yeah. a decent age. Um, Holly, I mean, she was like four hundred something. <laughs> 
Yeah, so she's old, but because she's an elf, she ages much slower visually. Yeah, so so it would make sense that she... She's supposed to be visually in her 20s because she's young on the force. She Her age is 84, which is right. pretty young for an elf. But in the movie, she's clearly like 17. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, so they, 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 they throw out the mom entirely. Dad recently went missing. Did they even show up getting kidnapped? Like, he goes, he's like, I gotta go do something super important. I'll be back eventually. Bye. Yeah, and I think it's just kind of implied that. Yeah, and then he, he gets sideways. A call. It's like, hey, I'm the, I'm the villain for the story. I have your dad do what I <laughs> yeah. tell you. Was Opal Cowboy the person that actually had her dad captured? No. No, not what I remember. It was just like the Russian mafia, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So they brought the 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 villain from uh, episode or from book three to be like the well, bad guy. He's the villain in two, technically as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she comes back a couple times, so maybe maybe it was two, not three. But so it's just the the they they just crammed so much. Like we're having even a hard time talking about it because there's just so much crammed that's wrong, and. <laughs> Honestly, there are the two worst parts I think that are hardest for me to digest at the end of the day is the first 30 seconds of this movie. The the intro, the the opening credits are still rolling and immediately all fans just get slapped in the face because Butler is a you know, I mean, think uh, Matt Damon in the the Bourne franchise, mm-hmm. and how he just always has an escape route, always is ready for the next attack. You know, and I mean that is Butler's character. Yeah, um, he's this. You know, he he knows all these languages. He knows all these fighting types. He knows how to use every type of of weapon under the sun, and then how to use everything else under the sun that's not a weapon as a a weapon. There's a line in the books that I remember because it made me laugh when I read it as a kid. But there's two people in the world better at martial arts than Butler, and he's related to one of them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah and the other one is Chuck line. Norris. Yeah. No, the other one is it's like some Chinese monk that's reached enlightenment right. and punches palm trees on an island somewhere. Yeah, sure, I remember that. But the 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 program you learn this later later in the books, I think, and it's a pretty big reveal. Um, so if you are planning on reading the books, uh, this is the one thing that I would say don't listen to the next minute or two of this podcast (laughs) because this would ruin a little bit of the story. Um, All right, guys, I'm going to (laughs) leave. But peace out. When Butler goes through this program of becoming a bodyguard, they give him a secret. It's not a secret identity, but they give him a different name. And that is the, that is the name he goes by. They give him Butler and he is, his name is Butler. 
it's not the butler it's not he is a butler it's his name my name is brandon his name is butler and they tell you in in his story that you are the only reason you are ever to know or to give give out your name you know your real name your true identity is when it no longer matters you keeping your real name a secret, which i.e. you're dying. And so in like book four or five or something, maybe even book three, I don't remember exactly, but Artemis, one of Artemis's, um, actually I think it's book three because that's the Eternity Cube, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so in book three, um, Butler gets shot, and uh, in all rights, he's dead. So I think this is when it happens. He tells Artemis his true name, which in the movie, they say, do not call him the butler, call him his true name. And I'm like... Did you even read the books? Yeah, I thought that was kind of a strange strange change to make as well. I don't know if they just didn't like the idea of referring to him as Butler or the Butler for the whole film. Well, uh, I guess because yeah. they, they cast a black guy and then decided, no, we probably shouldn't call him Butler. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, yeah, without explaining all that backstory, I could yeah. see why someone would be like, let's not call one of the two black people in the movie by their profession. Yeah. And, and so I, I do kind of understand that. But. It is kind of interesting, like, the depth of resource they have and, like, how many books was this series? Eight. Eight. Yeah. And it seems like, of, like, you could tell how much faith they had in the project that they were like, cram it into one, don't follow anything the book says because we're not going to do anything else after this is over anyway. It's almost like <laughs> right. they had to, like, complete some contract that they had for the movie rights just so they wouldn't lose it or something well yeah i'd even heard that you know like we were doing a little bit of research on it beforehand and it kind of sounded like this is something that had been in like some form of production for years and years like it was almost like at one point a movie deal had been made and signed and it's like they were contractually obligated at some point to put out an artemis fowl movie and yeah. so they did. That's that's what it felt like to me. And so I was just like, uh, yeah. It's it basically it's like I just don't know who the target audience is because for <laughs> for fans of the books growing up, it's like yes, they were children's books, but they have basically neutered all of the aspects that made them engaging to read as a child. I felt like this like, would be on par with Aragon or the Percy Jackson movies. Or yeah. the last Airbender movie, like yeah. a long line of movies that this gets to join on the shelf of. Here's all the things you liked. I hope you like watching your childhood burn. <laughs> <laughs> and then the number two thing that got me upset is that there was no, I repeat, zero reason in the movie why Holly and mulch and artemis should have any reason to trust each other zero reason mm, yeah we've now made eye contact and we're now best friends 
right? Artemis, I Hunter. trust you. Okay, I'll trust you too. Punch. <laughs> now we're friends. Yeah, Holly's a pretty by the well, not by the book. She she bends the rules in service to others. She is like the best cop you could ever hope to have. Yeah. And hey, don't engage. Hey, <laughs> engage. Yeah, okay. That that threw me off when they were like, you know, you're just doing recon and then two minutes later they're like, Okay, you gotta <laughs> subdue the troll until oh, the rest man. of everybody else can get here. Yeah. I didn't you even mention motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even mention the gender bend. Oh the oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. the the, and the police is the first female officer. The yeah. first female elf, uh, LEP officer. The first scene with Holly in it, and she's talking to some girl, and she's like, oh, this person seems like she's in charge. I wonder who this is. And they call their commander Root. I'm like, what? Yeah, they, <laughs> they had Judy Dench play the role of Julius Root, which was... Because, like, again, in my memory, he was just kind of like this cigar-chomping, like, kind of <laughs> gross, Badass, like, hard yeah, like, police chief sort of thing. Which... He's, he's always one week from retirement. Right, exactly. <laughs> yep, he's that, he's that perpetually guy. too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, and that's, and I mean, again, I, I have nothing against, like, I mean, honestly, yeah, like, Judy Dench is cool in the role, but, but to me, again, it kind of almost, like, I think what Brandon's alluding to is that it almost takes away from the role that Holly plays, like, it almost accomplishes the exact opposite of what they were, I feel like, trying to do by in, having a slightly more inclusive cast there having more females on the cast but well, at the same time it's like that was kind of holly's deal is that it's like she was badass and she came in here as the first like female officer on this team and was awesome and i wish that had been yeah mm -hmm. they just take away from holly like you can get rid of that story arc as long as you maintain holly's just really good at what she does and holly shows up and she spends half of her action scenes like glued to a chandelier. Yeah, she was not good at what she did. Well, she was very good at what she did, which was yeah, that basically being trapped the whole movie. swing. She was good at swinging. Yeah. Thank goodness she had that extra recess. She she really likes that song by Sia, guys. Come on. <laughs> I'm gonna swing. <laughs> Copyright strike. <laughs> uh. It's not copyrights if it's sung poorly. <laughs> That's Thank just you. parody. In that case. I I will say really liked in air quotations, <laughs> but in the movie, Artemis Fowl goes, I'm a criminal mastermind and commits zero crimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something I also wondered at the end of the movie. Like we 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 have pulled zero hijinks. Like Well, they did kidnap an elf okay Man. yeah yeah well and that kind of goes back to like what i was talking about how i mean it, it's it's just been it's been extremely sterilized like the whole thing i don't which think I you can totally call it kidnapping they yeah. tranquilized her and put her in a cage well she also just like for no reason whatsoever it's like hmm i'm in italy you know what sounds fun if i go to ireland right this second <laughs> she was asking <laughs> for it <laughs> mm-hmm that the what next page in the script because I need to go over there. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there was a lot of. I don't, okay, 
preface this comment with, I understand people listening that this movie was made for people a third my age. <laughs> Got that. Right. Totally understand yeah, that. Yeah, However, I also, I'm also a person who firmly believes in that if you don't give children good storytelling when they're children, when they're adults, they don't recognize good storytelling. Yes. They know what else was meant for people a third our age? Avatar. <laughs> so if you talk about my avatar, well, well right. I, I, it has yeah. excellent storytelling. Yeah, like Wait, that's that's avatar? the whole thing. Is like we we the see last this, Airbender, to be clear. Like I feel like we're yes. seeing this trend where it's like we take this really great source material that's appealing to all ages, and we mm-hmm. like we just yeah like we destroy that part of what made it yes. so good you know that's what i mean like the artemis fowl books like i said i read those as a kid and like it was so inspiring and empowering to see a character who is like no like artemis was i mean yes he was a criminal mastermind but he was good at what he did and like he figured things out on his own and it wasn't like you know his dad just swooped in and was like here's how the entire fairy world works son it was more like no he figured it out on his own and that was cool to see as a kid even if it's not necessarily realistic it was cool to have a character where i was like yeah artemis is a badass like i want to be self-sufficient you know and grow up to like learn and figure yeah out. and that's you know, compelling about the character the books you know they were always like oh your plan a didn't work um but wait there's more pull out plan b and then plan b gets you out of the plan a fail and then you that only gets you you know to the next door and then you go but wait plan c you know and then you get to the end of the book down down to plan e you know and then the next book all of a sudden he pulls out plan f you know so like it, it was always like, how is he going to get out of this? It's really interesting. It was always action packed well, and, and I think, fun. Uh, Kid MacGyver. <laughs> it, it's not quite, he had a plan for everything. Like his, his thing was he always had a plan. Then the story is the plan has something that you can't account for. Like some luck happens mm-hmm. on either side. And now he has to realize he is not an island he has to trust these other people well that's true too true and, well yeah and i guess that i mean that's a good point is like that's that's true as well that it is kind of you know that's where the magic element of it comes in at the end of the day it's kind of like yeah you've got this guy who's mm-hmm. used to dealing with this world where he is self-sufficient and capable and then now he's thrown into all these magical hijinks and has to turn to forces and people beyond his understanding so yeah that that's true that's right there there's there's character development there yes yeah yeah a lot of the movie yeah, just happened because the plot needed it to happen and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just did. though I, I mean i was really interested by the magic system like i would and it was if so we much better go back into like <laughs> right if we go back into a second stage of lockdown maybe i'll find a pdf of artemis fowl somewhere on the internet and read it and i was gonna say i have no idea i honestly it's been so long like i literally have not touched the books since elementary school like i do everything that i remember from it is and when i read it so they are all available on audible and the uh voice actor that reads those books um is pretty good um i will say that 
I don't remember what his name is. Um, I don't feel bothered to look it up. But uh, in one of the author? books, no, the uh, voice, voice actor, the yeah, narrator, the the, the narrator, yeah. Um, there's a time where uh, here, PSA from Peaches Brittany, <laughs> the last name, N G U Y E N, when it is pronounced when, like when are we going to the store? <laughs> Not. In Gaian, as the narrator said throughout the entire book, because that was one of the bad guys that you saw a lot. Are you kidding oh. me? They How did I get through like QC? Oh, oh man. <laughs> Why? That's rough. Yeah, it, it was. Otherwise, you can get through that, and uh, he was pretty good. There, were, I had no other complaints except for 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 that. So, well, that uh, I I do want to give the note or the movie one positive note. Josh Gad had some entertaining lines as Mulch Diggums, yeah. who for some reason is the most important character in the movie. <laughs> yeah, the movie was told basically from his perspective in a way, like it was his story that he was telling. Mm-hmm. Though uh, he uh, he probably should consult with Christian Bale about doing a gravelly voice before he agrees to do one for an entire movie. Just because <laughs> every now and then a little bit of Olaf came through. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> do you want to come and play? <laughs> they seem to have digitally altered his voice somehow and missed parts of it. Mm, yeah, because I don't think his voice does that. I don't think it. I don't. I don't, I don't think it does either. I, I I agree with that assessment. But uh, I guess that was our group therapy session for today. Woo! Yeah, tell us, tell us what. Uh, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Tell us what you think about if you've seen the Artemis Fowl movie, um, or your favorite parts about the books. Or if you love Destiny like me. <laughs> you should come up with a poll and say, do you do you agree with Brandon or do you agree with the incorrect Jared? Well, that seems biased. <laughs> People will still agree, but then it's still winning for me because they tell you that you're incorrect. So. <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, where, where can they find us? They can find us on Twitter and on Facebook and the names of which are something to do with Small Consolation. <laughs> yeah, just search. You'll probably be fine. And Correct. none of the rest of us exist on in, on the internet at all. Don't bother looking. <laughs> You'll never find me. I hope all of your earth chakras feel better now. Especially yours, Brandon. <laughs> oh. Let the fear go. Let the fear <laughs> of missing out go. Just... Just let it go, Elsa. Just let it go. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Is Tyler still here? <laughs>